Previously on Just Cow in the City. When I die, I don't want any hilarity. I don't want any comedy. I don't want anybody to think, oh, Just Cow would have loved this. I would not have. Because I said Sidney Poitier had a, a penchant for overacting. Which, of course, is hilarious to say. He was there when they were filming the iconic Baseball Furies Central Park scene in The Warriors. God damn! Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Just got in the city, everybody's here looking good and pretty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Trying to make things looking bright and chippy. All around, people seem crazy, walking around trying not to be lazy. But at night, it's a different place, making it work in your own space. Come on, come on, and dance all night. I'm here each week, it'll be alright, cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Exciting episode of Just Gow in the City. My name is Dave Just Gow. I am your host for this lovely podcast we do every week, but just for the past 25 years, before there was podcasting. I invented podcasting. Yes, you're welcome, America. It is I, Dave Just Gow, the inventor of the podcast, which, of course, I could never be because I have no Apple products. I no Apple products whatsoever, and that, of course, was based on iPod. So how could I have invented podcasting? But I have certainly perfected it over the years. I'm joking, of course. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody's having a lovely week. It is freezing here in the big city that we call New York. A very frigid day recording on a Friday again instead of Saturday. I don't know why. It's not like I have anything going on at all, which is why it seemed like a perfect day to record. But it is a beautiful, sunny day overlooking a beautiful East River in Roosevelt Island looking out the window as I record this lovely podcast for my lovely, lovely listeners. Well, again, it is the uh, end of January, January 25th, 2022. I still can't believe it. Still can't believe 2022 and nothing has happened yet. It's not very exciting. Although a lot of deaths just before I went on the air, just before I went on what we call the air in the old days, uh, I just found out Louis Anderson died. So that's they're taking away all the good ones. The co- the legendary comics, Saget, Norm MacDonald, and now Louis Anderson. Everybody's dying. This is, uh, I don't know whether it's weird or whether it's just normal because we're I'm old. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Uh, but at least Louis Anderson did get to do Coming to America 2. And that is the most important thing of all. But yes, just found out on the air, not to bring everybody down, still in a good mood. Let's, uh, we have so much to talk about today, so much to discuss. Uh, the death of Meatloaf as well, which we'll get to in, in a second. Uh, everybody's dying, so I guess I should just uh, make my podcast about uh, who died today. How are you? An in-depth look at everybody who's dying. And uh, again, who is it COVID-related? Who the fuck knows, really? And I guess we'll open up today, I guess just (laughs) on a somber note, even though I'm in a a lovely mood, um, with when I left you last week, I was about to view Bob Saget's funeral, uh, private uh, viewing. Uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't there, but you know, it was a private link to viewing Bob Saget's very sad funeral. 
and it was, uh, I, I guess I thought it was going to be different. I don't know what made me think it was going to be different. I guess it will be different at some point when they have something, you know, at the comedy store or something like that, which I guess I won't be able to see because I'm not going out there anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was sad as expected as a funeral would be. Of course, the, uh, the rabbi came in and he was just like, and you know, you have to ask yourself why, why? Why couldn't it have been John Stamos? I mean, the rabbi was the only one that cracked a joke. It's a little awkward. Uh, nobody else made a joke. Uh, everybody, I mean, they would tell stories, but, you know, and, and, and those awkward funeral laughs. But the best was actually his daughter, Aubrey, who uh, I know and is a lovely person. And she was trying to keep it together, as, you know, you can't blame her, and was t- t- told the greatest story about how he, his, her dad would always just be in the car and be like, can you even believe I'm your dad? Can you even believe I'm your dad? Isn't it funny that I'm your dad? And then she said he would point out other dads. Yeah, can you imagine if that guy was your dad? I mean, wouldn't that be messed up? And it was really, really funny. Big laughs, big laughs. Um, because, I, I mean, that is funny. And Bob Saget was funny and great. Now, obviously, at a funeral... Besides my dad's, where you know, there was a bad word, <laughs> and nobody had a good thing to say. I'll never, I mean, it's so weird. My dad's funeral, nobody had a good word to say. People were trying so hard to say something nice. This was the exact opposite of that. Obviously, nobody had a bad, nobody ever has a bad word to say at somebody at a funeral, you know, but it's funny when you either don't know somebody or there's really not that much to say and you're stretching. That's what happened at my dad's funeral, you know let alone me, but, you know, my friend Lawrence got up and spoke and, you know, he has, he's like, you really want me to speak? And he was trying real hard. He's like, uh, you know, Elliot, just go, he's an interesting man, an interesting man. <laughs> and my cousin Elliot gotten up and he was just like, well, you know, let me, t-. and he hated my dad. <laughs> he was trying really, but he's a polite guy and he was trying real hard to think of something. And, uh, oh, it was awful. It was, it's just funny. I mean, like my dad wasn't the worst guy. It's just funny when people die and you're like, wait, what am I going to say? It, I keep thinking about my my uncle's funeral who we, you know, really kind of couldn't stand, but he wasn't a bad guy, but everybody's like, oh, he's the greatest, he's the greatest. And for years we were just making fun. This is my mom's brother, you know, the one from Kentucky who was awful. Uh, you know, just uh, awful in a sense of, uh, you know, just the way he treated us and my mother and stuff. I mean, it wasn't his fault. It was his wife. So, but of course you get the blame when you are that pussy whipped. You get the rap. It's like Anthony Michael Hall's 16 Candles. Look, you know, I got the rap of being a dude in fifth grade and, uh, you know, I just uh, kept with it. <laughs> and so uh, that's the way it is. But yeah, this one, nobody, nobody had a bad word because... I, I mean, there hasn't been any kind of bad word from anybody, and I think everybody's legit. I, The guy was uh, apparently one of the good guys. And as we know, only the good die young, as we keep finding out. But I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the thing online, right? And it's at a funeral home in L.A., I guess. And, uh, oh, so... It was funny because then the guy gets up who's running the funeral after the rabbi spoke, and the cantor was uh, beautiful. Uh, I said I kept texting my sister, "Oh, 
the Cantor's doing a don't alum right now, whatever it was that he was doing. <laughs> like she loves that kind of shit. Uh, he had a beautiful voice, so he was really good. Then they, it was just weird. They, the guy gets up who's organizing the funeral itself, and he's like, "All right." And the uh, pole bearers, they had a different name for it. I don't know what it's called. Pole bearers, will be, uh, it'll be uh, John Stamos, uh, Dave Coulier, uh, John Mayer. It was, it was just. I don't know why it was funny. It's, I know it's real, but it's just, it, it is, I don't know, there's something about it that it's, uh, it seemed like a television bit, like somebody would have made up, uh, even though obviously it's amazing about that Full House uh, show that everybody was actually that close. It, it, it's, not, it's always nice to hear, we talked about this last week, when your TV family is actually as lovely as your own family, and there's so many other stories that don't work that way, but it just shows you that. Uh, Bob and, and Dave Coulier and John Stamos are nice guys and they are fun to work with and easy to work with, I guess. Everybody was there from Full House. And that's a show that was aired 30 years ago and they're still all friendly. There's definitely something to say about that. Having good friends like that is, uh, well, there's really nothing better than it. It's unfortunate when you lose one of your pals from all that time. So anyway, I'm listening to the beginning and I've been trying not to uh, play that much music in the podcast anymore because it worked because of the thing with the Spotify sometimes, but I, you know, sometimes you got to, and, and I love playing music and nobody cares. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for the, there was seven years. They complained one time about ironically, which we've talked about. I think it was Adam Schlesinger's music, which would be funny if he was alive. I would have said, no, my friend said, it's okay. I could use it. So that's the irony of all of this, but here's the thing. I'm going to play it. I'm waiting, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting and they have the funeral and they have this music on and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This I recognize this music. I know this music. I'm positive I know this music. Think about this. Like I know this music from some. I know it's a James Bond theme, or you know, the a part of. The, it's that. I mean, I've heard that chord progression with a string quartet, whatever it is, a bait, a a, a, a a cello, a hundred times in a Bond movie. You know, you have in a Roger Moore Bond movie. A hundred times, even in Daniel Craig, it's that one chord progression in a cello. There it is. See? Oh, I've heard it a hundred times. I think it's in Casino Royale as well, let alone Roger Moore stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this is brilliant. This is what I want at my funeral. I want this James Bond movie. But it's not James Bond. But it is James Bond. I finally figured it out. It's John Barry who, of course, recorded all the James Bond songs, but it's from one of our favorite films called Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time that John Barry did the music for, uh, all, you know, I guess he, I, I, I didn't even know he did anything but James Bond, but yeah, it is called 
somewhere in time it ends that it's that great movie with uh, Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, who of course is a Bond girl. So it all makes sense. It all adds up. It's that movie. I think I've recommended it because it's some of the worst acting I've ever seen. And it's one of those movies where you don't care. And I remember when the movie came out, you know, obviously I was going to see anything Christopher Reeve was in. I'm going to go see anything the guy who played Superman is in. It's just the way it is. It's like the, you know, I was all in on anything Tobey Maguire does because he's Spider-Man. You know, these are the kind of things, uh, you know, uh, little boys do, even though I was 40 uh, or whatever I was. (laughs) But um, yeah, this movie, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've explained it before and I've told you about the premise and stuff. It's really cool. He goes back in time in his mind. He gets his mindset to do it, and it's real messed up and psychological and cool, and it's a very interesting and fun and sad movie at the same, a very romantic piece and great filming locations. Yeah, we we talked about where that was. I, I think it's on the East Coast. Is it in Maine or somewhere? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, somewhere in time, recommend the movie. But yes, heard that music and say, oh my God, this is a Bond, this is definitely Bond music. And I was right. It is John Barry. It's just not James Bond. And wouldn't it be, isn't it fascinating for a Hollywood funeral parlor to play a movie score as you're walking in and when you leave? The song they were playing is called The Old Woman. And then they played another song on the way out, but all from somewhere in time interesting i don't know how somebody found that they're like oh we're gonna play the somewhere in time soundtrack when you're coming in it it, it worked it was special and it makes it very hollywood but i love it and i i want that playing up mine it's fantastic oh that that slow bond music where you know where there's a romantic scene it was terrific i was very very pleased with that i'd never seen or heard anything like that before it's so it's so cool and so simple why not have music playing in a funeral? God, it's, isn't that funny? That's what they do in Hollywood. They make everything very epic. It's kind of great. Why can't I do that in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, where we go to funerals all the time? Why can't there be music playing when people are getting in, you know? I don't know. It kind of makes it kind of great. And like I said, epic. And feels like it gives the person who's dead uh, a fitting tribute somehow or some sort of, I don't know, great ending. I, there's something very special about doing that, and I really was very happy about that. I tell you, I could listen to that all the time. John Barry. I think he did every Bond movie soundtrack until he died. Just Gow in the City will return after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Juskow from Juskow the City. Just want to let you know that this week on Patreon, if you're at the Maggie level subscribership, I will be getting the bonus content. You will be actually able to see a couple of photos that will coincide with that week's podcast. And hopefully, you know, at least I can provide some sort of content for the people that have chosen to pay that kind of level of tier. But thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. Uh, This week, don't forget, Tuesday night football playoff show who knows who'll be the guest this week i haven't decided yet and on the billy joel podcast we have modern woman coming up i love it and then another song called money or love which is unreleased 
love that song too. Little preview. And now, back to the program. You know, we have a new listener to this podcast, so I talk about her all the time because she's also on the Tuesday show. Um, and her name, and she's from Chile. And her name is Catalina. And she's delightful. And she, you know, is just a brand new listener to the podcast of Just Get Out in the City. Just started when Just Get Out in the City changed the name. But I mean, she's been listening to the Billy Joel podcast, and she comes on every week on the football show. Knows nothing about American football, but she just uh, is enjoying what we like about this podcast. And this woman, this girl, is a lovely person. I, I, I don't know what to say anymore where it's not insulting to somebody. Made up a Just Go in the City drinking game after listening to three episodes of Just Go in the City. She made a Just Go in the City drinking game. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, what is this? It's goddamn brilliant. Uh, and it, it it's so good uh, that it's really funny. I don't think there's a way you can leave listening to this podcast if this is a drinking game be, but not being completely hammered. <laughs> I mean, she had all the points, and that's only after three episodes. And she puts it, I'll just share it with you. She goes, drink when Dave, number one, quotes, references, clueless. Oh, as if. Goddamn brilliant. Number two mentions food. <laughs> number three mentions gambling. I mean, she hit on all the points right, right there. That's a show. That's a show. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I don't know, eggs. That's a show. Talks about his mother or sister. I don't know how she figured this out in three episodes. Of Number five, story about going out or meeting with a very gorgeous, stunning woman. <laughs> this is brilliant. Number six, a Simpsons reference. No! Number seven, gets annoyed or angry at someone. Number eight, sings. And number nine starts talking about something that is completely unrelated, but ends up being related to the original point in some ridiculous way. That makes me very happy. I feel, did I miss something? Because I could have sworn there was one saying, call somebody an idiot. Uh, but I don't know. And it says, drink responsibly. I mean, it's a game, but still try not to die. <laughs> just go in the city. She's so funny. Isn't that brilliant? Does that not just describe the podcast completely? She's good. She's good. Catalina. I actually wanted her to come to town and be my date for the big Paul Lauren show at the City Winery on February 12. Elon and his wife and me and some random whore <laughs> are, are going uh, to see, uh, you know, I'm kidding, um, are going to see Paul Lauren at the City Winery on February 12th. If you're in the city, get your tickets. And that should be good. The great Paul Lauren, who's been on our show and, of course, done the Billy Joel podcast and written our, our Billy Joel podcast theme, which is amazing, really amazing. I'll play it for you right now. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs, some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. And hidden gems, even the turds It ends at seat, not A With your friends, Elon and Dave He's so talented, so we're going to support him on February 12th, which of course is Valentine's Day. So it's very difficult to get a date 
I've had like three months to try and get a date, which would be, I mean, just epically funny to have to fly someone in from Chile. That's how hard. It's just like the Odd Couple episode. Uh, so what did you do that day? I tried to get a date. What? I didn't hear you. I tried to get a date. How hard did you try? I tried very hard. What? I tried very hard. <laughs> now, he didn't come back to the seat. I went out to the lobby, see what was happening. He was being arrested. Next thing I knew, I was being arrested too. And? And what? You're leaving out the most important part. What's the most important part? Mr. Unger, we'd all like to hear. Tell them how you couldn't get a date. Felix. Yes. Mr. Madison, will you tell the court why there was an extra ticket? Can I object? No. <laughs> Only your lawyer can object. Answer the question, Mr. Madison. I refuse to answer the question on the grounds that I don't want to answer the question. You're ruining my defense. Well, answer okay, the you question. Can ruin my answer, Mr. Madison. I have killers patiently waiting their turn. <laughs> I had an extra ticket because I couldn't get a date. What's a little louder, please. I didn't get the answer. I couldn't get a date. Ah. And how hard did you try? Tried very hard. How many girls did you call? Seven. We didn't hear you, Mr. Madison. Seven. 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 You count seven. seven. You hear me over that? Are those the acts of a man who has scalped the ticket? Don't do that. Seven. Seven. Lead story. Come on. Will you? I want to take a minute to decide this case. And then I want to take another minute to see if I still want to be a judge. <laughs> it's a classic when uh, Felix puts Oscar on the stand and he's like, and how hard did you try to get a date? I tried very hard. But it would be a Valentine's Day date, so that's even tougher. The Saturday of Valentine's Day, try and get a date? Oh, forget it. It's going to be great. When we all know it's just going to be me, Alan, and his wife. But that's all right. It's going to be a fun night. It's the Saturday before the Super Bowl, so I'm going to be very uptight anyway about the next day, because that is the way I roll. And speaking of the way I roll, on Saturday, I went to Carmine's with my cousins. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you again for being Patreon subscribers. If you are on the $10 level, the Maggie level, the big level, <laughs> the big level, um, I am going to, I have put on my refrigerator, it's just a big note, bonus content. So I don't know whether it'll be every week, but for right now, like this week, there will be bonus content if you are on the Maggie level because, you know, I need to put, I told you, I need to put out something. I feel horribly guilty. I know you guys don't care. You're like, we just like to support the podcast and we appreciate it. And I appreciate that. But besides getting a, an unbelievable collectible uh, Nightfly Topek, I will now do a, you know, three to five minute extra thing where I can show you some photos of the stuff I'm talking about today. It's a little something extra when we're not doing the video podcast, so... A little something extra that I can do to thank you for your support um, and supporting me and all my endeavors in the podcast. So uh, anyway, that all being said, on Saturday, I went to Carmine's with my cousins. Now, as you know, it was 10 degrees. And I bought these new gloves, which I think I told you about, that are heated. So I'm like, that way when I take, because I'm definitely taking the bike. Now, at this point, could I take a cab? Could I take an Uber? Of course I could. But no, the fun is seeing if I could make it on the Vespa 
to all the way from the, the, the river where I live on the east side by the Queensboro Bridge to the Upper West Side. I'd have to travel through the park and go up to the 90s uh, in freezing sub-zero temperatures with the wind. And that is the fun <laughs> to see if I could make it. Uh, I mean, I know I could make it, but you know what I'm saying. So I got all bundled up, and this is my plan, and I got these new heated gloves, and I, put, and I got them just that day. It was perfect. And I put the batteries in, and I set it up, and of course, they don't work at all. I mean, they're on, but they ain't working. I'm feeling no heat, nothing. And I'm like, you got to be goddamn kidding me. I'm like, this is perfect. I can do it. We're going to the 90s. Of course, I got the call just before I left. Like, I think we're going to go to the one in Times Square. And I'm like, ugh, there's a car mine's in Times Square. But fortunately, it was too busy. So we kept with the program, just went to like 91st and Broadway. I like that car mine's better. It's a little out of the way, even though it was pretty crowded. It's obviously touristy Carmine's, but it was fun. And like I said, my cousins are pretty cool. So we all hung. But I, I, I got up there. I was with my hands were, of course, freezing because there's just no way to make them warm because the gloves weren't working, even though they were good gloves. They have like fur inside of them. But I want them heated. I need the electricity. So I tried them again the next day, just walking around. No heat. Uh, it replaced the batteries. Even they were they were brand new. And I tested them. And at least this time the light stayed on, but there was no heat, no heat. So I returned them, which, God damn it, if, if Amazon just isn't the absolute best, it, they make it so easy to return. That's why it's so easy to purchase something. I could just use, I was able to return it to Whole Foods. Now it's even easier. There's a UPS store right in my building, and I, you just throw it in. The, you throw it at their faces. You throw it at, here, throw, here, here you go, jerk off. And you throw them the gloves, <laughs> and you show them the code, and they scan it, and you're done. It's beautiful, and you get your money back. Boy, that they, Amazon, they're so smart. And, and the weird part is they're building a, a store, a brick-and-mortar store in an L.A. shopping mall, and I'm like, why? Aren't you defeated? They're building a clothing store at the Amazon Look, which is funny because Amazon actually has very good clothing, but why are you building a store? Doesn't that defeat the entire purpose of why Amazon is so great? It's a little weird, but I guess it'll work. Yeah, boy, boy, do they make those returns easy. Isn't it great? Isn't it fantastic that you don't have to wrap something up? Because that was the thing. I would just keep it. I would have kept those gloves and just bought another pair. Because I'm like, ugh, returning this, wrapping it up, bringing it to the post office. I can't believe they found another way to make it really easy on everybody. It's fantastic. So definitely did that. And then bought some new ones. And I haven't tried them. I just got them today. And it's freezing today. I'm not planning on going anywhere, I guess. I didn't go to my mother's yesterday because it was snowing. So I'm like, well, why would I do that? I should have gone today. But I didn't. Because I got to get stuff done. Man, I got to get stuff done, yo. And and what that stuff is, I don't know. I don't know. I have been, you know, I I put stuff on eBay, right? So I cleaned out a shelf in my closet. And I found all this stuff, obviously, from, you know, 20 years ago when I first moved in that hadn't been touched because I had to clean up the shelf. And now my apartment's all in, like, piles again, and I got to figure out a way to organize. I really want to organize. I guess after I cleaned my mother's house, I started realizing, let me organize my own house. Let me figure out a way. And I found all this great stuff, which I will be sharing with you on a weekly basis that I think you'll like. For instance, I found this great thing. 
And you wonder why I hate Kobe Bryant. Uh, I, I mean, you, nobody's wondering that. I'm just saying when he died, I'm like, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. Uh, I hate the Lakers. And But why? Well, I have in my hand, which I will show in the bonus content today, the stupidest thing. My actual work, uh, what do you call it? A timesheet and my parking voucher for when I was working in Los Angeles, when I was kind of living there in 2000. And you can see the dates. I worked eight and a half hours or eight hours at this, I guess, a law firm. Yeah, a law firm. God, I remember it was awful. In L.A. And on June 21st, June 22nd, and June 23rd, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in downtown Los Angeles, 500 South Grand Avenue. And the reason why I bring it up is because I'll never forget this. Now I have proof of why I hate the Lakers. Because... I was a Nets fan, number one, so I think the year before, they maybe they beat the Nets in the finals or whatever it was, but I've always, you know, I don't know, I just always hated the Lakers anyway or any teams from Los Angeles, but then that day, you can see I have my parking voucher that I was parked downtown, and that's the day they had the fucking parade for winning the championship in 2000. I looked it up online. I'm like, yes, I knew I was there during that parade. I had to watch the parade from a window, and I could. I was like, "What? how am I going to get my car out now? I mean, it's like, how can somebody have so many parking and car problems, not just in New York City? I think that's why I was so bothered. I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. I got to worry about a parade in Los Angeles now? I got these problems in New York City. So now there is proof. That I was there and downtown the day of that stupid, stupid parade for a team you hate. I think that year they beat the Pacers, so it wasn't, you know, who cares? But I'm pretty sure maybe the year before, I mean, obviously I can look it up. One of the years they beat the Nets, I can't remember which year it was, and I was a Nets fan. So what's worse than the team you hate having a giant parade and you're there? It would be like being in Boston after the Patriots beat the, if, if they had beaten the Giants, you know, I don't care about the Giants, but like, you know, when they beat the Jets every time or something, if that can't happen in a Super Bowl. But you know what I'm saying? And then I'm in Boston. I got to watch Tom Brady uh, go going down the street and his fucking, you know, whatever. I mean, I, how pissed would you be? You're working at a job in Boston. Like, I got to sit through this. I'm sitting at a job I hate. I can't believe I got to do temp work again in Los Angeles in a new location. And now... To add on to it, I'm watching these douchebags go by in their parade, and they're driving me crazy because, again, when I work on Fifth Avenue and they had that stupid Columbus Day Parade or even the Veterans Day Parade and you're at work and you can't concentrate because everybody's fucking drumming. You know, I told you a hundred times I hate that goddamn band music. Ugh, marching band music sucks. Oh, just, anyway, that really pissed me off, but it's still funny that I... uh, have it from that long ago that's the kind of stuff i've been finding and there's plenty of more stuff where that came from which will be fun every week the weekly uh what's in dave's closet it's a new it's a new uh bit we're doing on the show i just got the city what's in dave's closet <laughs> because i'm coming out of the closet everybody i am coming out and i am pushing that door open and saying hello everybody what's in my closet <laughs> oh my god i'm hilarious Oh, the color scheme and the rabbit ears and the 2.3 children. I mean, where's the high C? High C and flapper nutters. Oh. Anyway, you know, when I was riding that bike 
from Carmine's. When I went home, I also went home on the bike. It was so funny. I thought we were going to have this big drink at night. They're like, no, we're tired. And I'm like, what? They like to party. But I was like, eh, fine with me. <laughs> I just had a big meal, so I'm ready to go home. But I took the bike home, and like my my legs were freezing. Like, you know, I was wearing jeans, but they were freezing. Uh, just like from wind burn and stuff. That's how cold it was. But again, exciting to see if you can make it. And I did. And again, not taking the subway. Two years, March 9th, be two goddamn years not taking the subway. And again, very rare to take a cab or an Uber. Just the bike and the uh, motorcycle. And so on Wednesday, I went to Rachel Feinstein's house to have uh, a lot of times she likes people to come over when her husband is doing a 24-hour shift at the fire station as he is the captain. So she likes company with her baby. So she invites us over sometimes. So this time she invited me and her sister-in-law and who I like very much, who likes me very much. She goes, oh my God, he's so funny. And I'm like, oh, I like her. <laughs> so I went over and they live in Brooklyn. And I, as you know, do not take Ubers or subways. I go in on a bike or the Vespa. And as you also know, I cannot take the Vespa over the bridge. So I always got to start with the bike. I'm like, as long as I can get the electric bike, that's fine. So I got the electric bike over the bridge. I noticed there were no motor scooters like kind of nearby. Like I was going to have to do all this research. That's the problem. It's like, I don't mind going to, but it's like, you know, when I'm riding the bike, I can't use the phone at the same time. I have to keep stopping, look for a bike. I'm like, what if I just took the bike to where Rachel lives, which is far. Uh, but I'm like, you know, screw it. Let's, let's just do that. And I did that. So I just took the bike. Now, I know it's an electric bike. It's not an electric bike. It's a pedal assist bike. So it's very easy to, to maneuver. But yeah, I took the bike all the way from Manhattan to Queens to Brooklyn over these bridges. And I just took the bike. I bundled up. Didn't have the gloves again. But it wasn't that cold. And went all the way to where she lives, uh, kind of by uh, the BQE. <laughs> she lives underneath the or above the BQE, like one of the worst roads and in the history of New York City. You know, Route 278. Everybody knows it. Yeah, it's a really crappy road. And it's amazing. She lives in this place, and they're moving soon, an apartment that overlooks the BQE, but also overlooks the skyline of Manhattan. I mean, it's fantastic. But the amazing thing is you hear no noise. We talk about this all the time. Uh, the windows are so unbelievable and so brilliant and thick, you don't hear any of the traffic, and they're right there. It's amazing. It's really impressive. I, I don't understand how they make soundproof windows like that. It's it's fascinating. I wish I could. I, I guess I got to take a picture. I, I guess it's easy enough just to take a picture. It's so hard to sometimes take a picture through a window, you know? You always get a reflection. But next time I go, I will take I took a, a picture of the, her and the baby, and I'll show you that. But a picture of the of where she lives, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's fascinating that there's no noise, especially when you have a baby. I mean, you can't imagine living there with traffic noise all the time. I mean, think about where I grew up in New Jersey and my house. I could hear the New Jersey turnpike from my bedroom every night, and it was quite soothing. But I didn't live that close to the turnpike. You know, I mean, we did live right on the right-hand side of it. So, you know, I could hear the traffic, but it wasn't that close. But that's how noisy it was, and we weren't that close. So... For the fact that them to be right on top of it and not here. And that's why I guess I'm always okay. I live near the Queensboro Bridge. I always live near 
traffic <laughs> and, and it's very soothing at nighttime i'm very used to traffic sounds and that's why i remember i went to my friend carol's once in cape cod uh or her mother's in westport massachusetts and i was sitting in this room and it was so silent and it was like i that's when i realized i definitely had what is it called tinnitus i think because i could not even concentrate for a second with all that quiet, which is why I think I always have to have the radio on when I sleep and, you know, have it set to a timer so it goes off because I cannot concentrate in in complete black and complete silence. I'm just not used to it. And that stems from just living in Jersey near the turnpike <laughs> growing up. Uh, I've just always lived next to a major thoroughway or something. I don't know why. I don't know how I would fare in the country. And like, you know, so why do I want to move down to the beach? Because, you know, then you have the ocean. No, I need noise in the background somehow. I can't live. It's uh, really difficult for me to live in silence, which is probably why I talk so much, even when nobody's around, which is why I like doing the podcast, which is why I'm good at doing the podcast. I love talking, and everyone knows it. And like I've said multiple times, that's, you know, how you win talks most says least in high school, <laughs> and you walk away with that award. <laughs> Talks most, says least. Classic Jeff Scout. Uh, after I left, Rachel took the bike all the way back too. And for some reason, that was more of a huffing and puffing thing. I don't know why. I don't know if I was going faster because it was colder or whatever it was. But I was even though the bike is pedal assisted, I it was definitely a you know I'm just not used to doing any exercise anymore. So it was weird that on the way back, I you know it was uh, it was tough going over the bridge and everything. But you know I remember going up the bridge, going like okay. Okay, you know, but, um, you know, it's good for you. It's just weird because no one else does this. No one else does this in the city, mind you. No one. I mean, I'm the only person I know that will ride a bike everywhere that really doesn't take cabs or Ubers or anything. If I'm with another person, I'll take a cab, I guess, because they, they're not as crazy as I am. But I love take, I love being able to take a bike or I love having an alternate form of transportation where there's no traffic involved. It's fantastic. People say, why don't you just buy an electric bike? And I'm like, see, you're missing the point. I was just having this conversation yesterday. I'm like, the reason I don't buy a bike is because the best part about the city bike and the, and the ride share of the, the Revel scooter is because I can leave it. I go to the location and it's done. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to lock it up. I don't have to bring it inside a comedy club or wherever I'm going, it's done. I don't got to worry about it. And if somebody else has a ride home or we're going somewhere else, I don't have to worry about it. Like, well, you can go back and pick it up. I'm like, why would I want to do that? When I park that bike, I'm done. It's over. I don't got to worry about it. It's fantastic. And that is the difference of why I won't, that's why I never wanted to buy a bike. I've been waiting for something like this my whole life. A little ride share action, you know? Very, very convenient. I love it. Love getting around in a different way. Well, I'm hoping those new gloves work. They don't use batteries. They use, um, I think, I think you charge it, which is be much better than always having to supply double A batteries. Which apparently, I guess I have old ones or something. I don't know. So on Monday night, so I think I told you. No, I didn't tell you. So well, on last Wednesday. Oh, last Wednesday. When I was with my friend Vincent and I told you about the thing with the Warriors, which I still can't believe he doesn't understand how great it was. He also told me, which I had forgotten to tell you, that he, he's been friends with Kate, Kate Capshaw for years. 
which is Spielberg's wife. So they went to go see, he went to see the screening of, Kate Capshaw invited him to see the screening of West Side Story. And then they went to Spielberg's house afterwards. You know, he's got a place in Manhattan. And he just just told me that. He's like, so wait, you went to his house? Yeah, but it wasn't that great a time. I'm like, I know, I get that. But that's the fun of, you know, telling me what happened. But yeah, he was just hanging out at Spielberg's house. This guy, Vincent, he's, he's really unbelievable. I guess it's. It's just like me telling stories like that, except I tell the stories and I realize how gold they are. I don't know why he doesn't get it. I don't know why he's not understanding how great it is. Anyway, well, we went to that place, Jake's Saloon, on uh, Wednesday, you know, and said we were going to go there on Monday to watch the Cardinals-Rams game. I found out on on Sunday night, my friend Jordan told me that they were closed on Monday. And I'm like, What? How can a sports bar be closed when they're having uh, the first playoff game in NFL history? And she goes, I don't know. So she called the owner and she's like, what the fuck? He goes, oh, we're closed for MLK Day. And we're like, come on. What's an Irish bar closing for MLK Day? None of that makes sense at all. I don't know. It's probably a COVID-related thing again and whatever. So we didn't know where to go. We were thinking of other places. And then finally I said, let's just go back to the wing place. Fuck it. I feel bad, not so much for, I just, I didn't want to support the owner anymore, but I like the other bartenders, like this guy, Tommy, you know, he likes betting, so it's fun, and it was great, and went back, it was great, the wings were amazing again, god damn it, and it was, and I felt comfortable there, you know, I didn't want to go someplace new, I didn't know, so I didn't mind going to this place, Jake's, but this place, you know, it was good, it wasn't that crowded, there were plenty of people. I was still surprised I got there at seven and there was people there, but it wasn't, you know, we totally got a seat at the bar and everything. It was just, we would have had a better time. The Cardinals suck. And I bet on the Cardinals because I was going with my friend who loves the Cardinals because she's from Arizona. Uh, I never would have bet on that game at all, but I did because it was such a bag of crap. It was a crappy game. You're really hoping for just at least a good game. And it was so bad uh, that she even left before. I think we left after the third quarter, which I was surprised because I thought she'd want to stay the whole way, but I was fine with that because I had already had my, I think, four beers and plenty of wings. I tried the teriyaki wings this time. They were delicious, and I, I think I ate every. I mean, maybe she had three wings, so did I finish it? I usually leave over two, so it comes 16 and eight, and maybe she had three wings, or did she have four? So uh, I don't know. I definitely had, like, I, guess I must have had 20 wings, but that's normal for me. And it was good. And then, of course, I walked home. That's the key. The walking home, obviously, the most important thing. So I don't know. Uh, That's the end of going out on Monday nights, I guess, which is sad, of course. But um, I guess for health reasons, I can't do it anymore. But uh, I don't know. You know, I'll keep going back to the wing place at this point now just every once in a while because the wings are great. I was glad I was there. But when I got home, I turned on a lot of uh, a little TV and I was watching The Golden Child. The weird part, this, you know, Eddie Murphy movie, which was not very good, but made a lot of money in the 80s because it had Eddie Murphy in it. And it's not a good movie. And I don't know why I was watching. I was watching because there's that really pretty girl, Charlotte Lewis, is in it. And she's good. And Eddie Murphy's, you know, great. And I always do this line. I came in right at that line where he's like, what, what was that with the, with, with the flip? Uh, I always say that line all the time. It's like the only good line. But and, and and it's not a good movie. In, in fact, it's a very bad movie. But again, Eddie Murphy, you know, 
is always fun to watch, and he's good. And I don't know. So I was watching it. So then, of course, I'm always looking up stuff, and I'm like, whatever happened to this Charlotte Lewis? Boy, is she pretty. You know, I bet you she's still attractive now. This is, what, 86, 88, maybe 85. And then I was reading about it, and she's in the news now because apparently she's saying she was molested or, or raped by Roman Polanski. Like, this is new news in, like, 2020. And she's coming out and saying, Roman Polanski raped me. Now, Roman Polanski's got an unfortunate track record of molesting or raping, rather, uh, young women, uh, underage women. And that is why he doesn't live in this country anymore. So we know that. Um, I didn't think anybody else had any other allegations about him. And we also know his unbelievable, tragic demise uh, that his wife was murdered by Charles Manson's people. You know, I mean, it's, it's so that would fuck anybody up. You figure, but, you know, you can't be taking advantage of underage girls. Everybody knows that. That ain't cool. And there's there's proof. I mean, not with Charlotte Lewis, but this other girl and with Jack Nicholson being there, all this kind of nonsense and it's all crazy. So then I was looking up more detail. I assume everybody does this when they're watching movies, or maybe it's just me, but that's the fun, I guess, of having a phone right by you where you can get this information so yeah, I was looking her up and she was obviously really pretty and she met Roman and he said all these things where, you know, I have to, I sleep with all my actresses because they, I, that's how I get to know them. <laughs> a brilliant move, I guess, in 1985. And, and that's how she was going to be in this movie Pirates that he made. One of the worst movies ever made uh, ended up being with Walter Matthau and an awful movie, awful movie. But, but then there, there's also this stuff where people aren't believing her, which is so sad because she also has this testimony where she's like, oh, he's the greatest. I was in love with him. I pursued him. So now everybody's confused. But Roman Polanski's already got a track record of this. So, you know, they've been trying to extradite him into the United States for years. Meanwhile, we've talked about this on this podcast before where the girl that he did, I guess, rape, I guess it, it is considered rape, uh, you know, when she was 13 or 14 or, or 15, whatever it was in L.A., just uh, we've talked about it she she doesn't want to have anything to do with this anymore and is furious that this charlotte lewis is bringing it up again because that puts her in the news again and she's trying so hard to get past it it's kind of funny and awkward that it's no longer roman polanski's fault that this woman is scarred it is the media and the press which continues for it to live on for her which is awful I feel bad, so bad. She's like, please, I have already, you know, we've, and, and Charlotte Lewis has like gone to Roman Polanski's house and, and tried to talk to him. I mean, that's, that's a little insane. I, I don't know. And, and that's the thing, you know, you don't, it adds up and it doesn't add up at the same time, but that's what she's going. She still looks good. I don't, did she ever marry or did she, marry, maybe she has a kid. I don't know. It's just looking her up. She still looks good. She stopped acting though. I guess that stopped her acting. But she was, you know, so really unbelievably pretty. And I guess during that thing, I think she was, was she's 19 when she was doing this. She looks so much older, or I guess more mature. Horrible actress, but that doesn't matter. That's not what they were looking for when they were casting the golden child. But I love that kind of stuff when you're looking up stuff and it, it goes into like, you know, this year. Like whatever happened to her? And then there's like new news. That's exciting. 
But the weird part was, I was looking up, and I guess we'll talk about, what's a Just Scouts closet next week? And I was looking up, I had this old diary uh, that I started, you know, always at the beginning of the year, I would start a diary. And of course, by February, I'm like, fuck this. Uh, and one of it just says, saw a golden child. It was 19, 1993, I think, or something. Uh, and I said, watched golden child. I'm like, wait a minute, what? And I just watched it the other day. I don't watch that movie all the time. That's not one of the ones I turn on all the time, but I, I don't, I don't know what happened there. I don't know why, how those combined. Uh, we'll uh, again, talk more about that while we do another episode of what's in just Gal's closet next week. Or should we just say just Gal's? How should we word it? Just Gal's coming out of the closet, coming out of just Gal's closet. I don't, I don't, something like it's gotta be something like that. Bart, where'd you get that shirt? Oh, came out of the closet. Uh, huh. Meanwhile, I was watching, I talked about this on the football show last week, which is kind of funny. Uh, I was talking, I was watching 60 Minutes, you know, because there was this, it's so funny. I, I don't know, 60 Minutes is usually so in touch with what's going on. And during football season, they'll usually have an interview with Tom Brady or something. I'm like, brilliant, right? Because they come on after football. This time they had the Anne Frank story of who betrayed Anne Frank. But, you know, I couldn't wait to watch. I mean, that's interesting news. It's just kind of funny to put it on. And in an all-new 60 and it was Tom Brady makes the biggest touchdown pass in his historic career, and in an all-new 60 minutes, how were the Frank family betrayed? Who betrayed Anne Frank? And her, you know, that's extra funny. But it turns out it was this this uh, dude, Arnold Vanderberg, and he was a Jew, and uh, and and Otto Frank apparently had the note in his hand and knew who betrayed him because he's the only one to survive Anne Frank's dad. And never said anything, because once he found out it was a fellow Jew, he goes, this will just make things worse. But there's a whole thing, and it was fascinating how they figured it out, and they brought in an FBI guy, and it was really cool. But it was just bothering me, because then we have these commercials. You talk about Anne Frank and the Holocaust, and it's so fucking horrible. I mean, it's such a fucking horrible story, right? And then they have this, uh, they kept having these ads for, the story of Anne Frank is brought to you by Jersey Mike Subs. And as you know, I hate Jersey Mike Subs. The, the, the nerve of these people calling these good Jersey subs just pisses me off to no end. And they just keep having these commercials with these horrible subs. They don't know what they're doing. We've talked about this before. In fact, our friend uh, Gabriel has gone to Edison, New Jersey, where Tasty Subs is where the president goes, that's how you make a Jersey sub. Tasty subs. Jersey Mike's can shove it. You guys stink. I've had your subs. It's not like I'm just talking out of my ass, and they are not Jersey subs. You guys have no idea how to make a sub, nor do the people who work in your restaurant. Fuck you. Thank you. And that's the thing. On uh, on the Tuesday show, we had a good time, but of course we had Nick Griffin on, and he had technical problems, and that usually drives me crazy, but it doesn't anymore because I'm enjoying doing the show just talking to you guys in the chat room and having a really good time just doing that. So that's why I stopped getting guests. I'm like, who needs? I mean, during you know, when we do back in the season again, we'll get guests and we'll do the two-hour show again. But for now, I just like talking amongst us and having a good time. It's fun. It's like doing this show, but everybody's commenting while we're talking. I mean, it's really the greatest thing. I know it ends after the Tuesday after the Super. It ends on Valentine's Day. I mean, should we even have a show that we have to? Right, we got to have the wrap-up show. But is it weird to have it on Valentine's Day? Does anybody still go out on Valentine's Day? Do people actually go out on Valentine's Day? Is it better to go out the Saturday before Valentine's Day? Because even if I had a girlfriend right now, I would never take her out on Valentine's Day. I would. I, I don't think I could be with a girl 
that we, we have to do something on Valentine's Day. I'm like, can't we do something on the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Wednesday after Valentine's Day or before it? Because we all know that Valentine's Day is too obvious and the way they jack up prices and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, can't you just celebrate Valentine's Day at home and and have a romantic evening at home? Uh, you, you, you know, going out on Valentine's Day is like going out on New Year's. It's amateur night. So I don't mind going out before or in between, but going out on Valentine's Day just pisses you off, doesn't it? I would have to hope that a woman would see that as well. Not to be cheap or anything. It has nothing to do with that. It's just like, you know, you jacked up the prices, $20 just for today because we're idiots and we somebody made up a holiday that we're all in on. Maybe I would think differently if um, if I was in love. <laughs> How are you? The best part is Wednesday when I came back from Rachel's and I just biked. Um, it was 4.7 miles and I did it in 30 minutes, which I don't know whether that's good or bad. I just looked it up. 4.7 miles, exactly. Because um, I know, because it was both ways. It was 4.7 both ways. So it was exactly 4.7. So that's about five miles uh, in 30 minutes. Is that good? I mean, I wasn't racing. Uh, but when I got back, I finally tipped the last door guy, the overnight door guy. I hadn't seen him since Christmas. I've been holding on to this thing for a month. So I finally tipped him. Uh, and, and it was so funny. I gave him money. He's like, he's like, oh, thank you so much. I hadn't seen him. And he's, you know, he's the guy that I like, but you know, sometimes he locks that door and it drives me crazy. I tip them. I go upstairs. And, uh, then when I come down in the morning, they are like, oh, you have a couple of packages. I'm like, you mean I tipped the door guy and he didn't tell me I had any packages. <laughs> I mean, that really pisses me off. Right. The least thing he can do is been, oh, you also have some packages. It's funny to tip a guy for doing his job. As he's not doing his job. Classic overnight guy, doorman guy. And and one of those passages, I think, was the the gloves, ironically. And they were there. I had two packages that were there for two days. And <laughs> the guy, I'm giving the guy money for doing his job. I mean, that is, I'm repeating myself, but that's good stuff. This is a Brooklyn-bound 5 Express train. Just a couple other things before we uh, uh, call it a day. Um, little news items. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Let's just for one second uh, just talk about Meatloaf for a second. Uh, Meatloaf just died, uh, you know, and so but all the fat guys, in Louis Anderson, Meatloaf, they're all dying together. Who's the next? Uh, it can't be me. Is <laughs> The third fat comedian who or musician. Um, this kind of weird that meatloaf and louis anderson died the same day damn i wish john panette was alive to die that would have been perfect what a hat trick that would have been meatloaf you know was was that album is uh epic it's funny for an album to be called bad out of hell and have such romantic songs on it and i guess that's what the juxtaposition of it all made it amazing it was uh it's not just meatloaf that made it great he sang his voice was great his look was interesting but it was this Jim Steinman who really put it together and kind of made these Broadway tunes into a rock fashion and an epic fashion. Could you release something like this today? Who knows? But it was special, and they were never able to top it. They came out with a Bad, of the, Bad Out of Hell 2, which did have that song, I would do anything, I would do anything for you, love, but I won't do that, which was okay. 
and it was kind of successful. And at least, I mean, it's kind of like how they nominated Godfather 3 for Best Picture. We all hate Godfather 3, but it was the right thing to do. So at least it had one song off it, Bad Out of Hell 2. But Mate Love was never, he never had a, you know, a popular album out again. And and I mean, they, not like they wasn't heard of again. He just kind of went into acting and stuff like that. It's kind of weird that they just couldn't have uh, more successful hits. But that one album, I guess they put all their work into and it was amazing. And, you know, Paradise, but Dashboard Lights, classic. I mean, really interesting songs. And I always, uh, there's a kind of, what do you call it? A music uh, portion that I have in my head on a daily basis, which uh, I didn't even, I just have this intro going through my head all the time. I didn't even, I knew it was Meatloaf, but I didn't know what song it was. And I think it's actually one of the best songs on the album in just its its opening and the way it works. Best part of the song. What is that? Sax? The rest of this song isn't that as good as that, uh, you know, but that's all you need is a little hook like that. I mean, it's, uh, oh, that's something else. And then it's just like goes into regular stuff. But again, that, that kind of song, it's very, very Broadway tunish, you know, and uh, that's not even the best song on the album, which is amazing. And then, of course, to even have. Uh, ballad-like songs on an album, again, called Bad Out of Hell. But that's what people were doing back then. Kiss did it. And that was around that same time. And they would have, you know, these rockers would have these ballads, and they'd be the most popular songs. Two out of three ain't bad. Unbelievable song. And uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, even Bad Out of Hell. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable album. And Meatloaf is dead at, I believe, 74. Doesn't it feel like he should have been older? It's funny, he's only 74, but it's like he, he, he this is a guy you figure would have died a long time because he was so overweight and out of shape. But, um, yep, I, I believe my friend Steve Klein was handling him, so I gotta call him and see, uh, what the devastation I think he was, I think he was his manager, I, I think he still was. He works for this uh, company called 10th Street something or other. I think they were still together, so I wonder if he's okay. Oh, have you heard? Today, today, I want to hear what you have to say. The couple of news items. Uh, you know how we always talk about 
ideas that are brilliant. Uh, we talked about the umbrellas, uh, like a, a city share umbrella thing, and you're like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Well, uh, a couple of women put together a thing where they now have, you could register for gifts for divorcees. And at first, you know, I'm looking and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then when you think about it, you're like, God damn it, that is brilliant. You know how like, you know, here I am, I'm trying to figure out a way to make money. And you know, and it's just, I know these there's these kind of like get rich quick schemes and people tell you this. And I'm sure when they told people this idea, they were like, that's the stupidest thing. Because I, I, you know, it's like me and the Blue Man group all over again. I'm like, you're going to do what? I mean, this, but it's when you read more into it and they're like, oh, you're getting single mothers now, you know, some gifts to get restarted. It's just a really good idea. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm telling you, I got to get that clip from this Eddie Murphy movie called The Distinguished Gentleman. It wasn't a classic Eddie Murphy movie. It was one of those 90s ones where it was just okay, but you're still watching Eddie Murphy because he's Eddie Murphy. It's not a bad one. It's with the uh, uh, the guy from My Cousin Vinny's in it too. And Eddie Murphy runs for office under the name of, I think, somebody who's dead, but he has the same name. So he runs on that and gets all these senior citizens to help him because they think it's in Florida. But he's a scam artist and he runs for Congress. I'm remembering all this in my head. I've seen it maybe twice in the 90s, you know, like 30 years ago. Uh, but I remember it was it was very entertaining, and Eddie Murphy is the shit. So so he meets his other constituents uh, after they because they're all having parties, you know, for the freshmen, you know, winning the election or something. And he meets these two white yuppie guys, and they're like, "I heard you ran on another guy's name, and you won just on name recognition, and it looks like they're b- going to be complete douchebags." And then there's a pause, and the guy goes, I'll never forget it because it was so, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so smart. And he goes, so you just ran on another guy's name, and you just got elected that way. Because I had to do all this. And then he's like, yeah. And he goes, fucking brilliant. <laughs> and that's I got to get that clip because here's another segment on Just Count in the City. Fucking brilliant. Registering for divorcees. Does it make us angry? Yes. Whoever invented it, fucking brilliant. This is a South Ferry bound one train. The next stop is 50th Street. There's a new bar in the 50th Street subway station for the number one train. It's a bar right on the platform. And it's new and it just came out. And they have like it. It, it I, there's a picture of it. It's um, I, I, I'm going to go to the place and get pictures for you, and I'll uh, show it to you maybe when I do either a video show or just the bonus content. Uh, it I really want to go there. I got to see what it's all about. Fiftieth Street, it's right underneath Caroline's, I guess. And they have a bar down there, and I want to see what it's like. And I say to myself, "Fucking brilliant." Because, you know, people would, like, go to a place like that. It's a, isn't there a story, I believe it was on 60 Minutes, where there was, a like, one of the most unbelievable sushi places ever in Japan in a subway station? And those little kind of places get traction because people are just like, oh, my God, they make the best drinks here. They make a certain... If they have a signature drink that they make at this place, that's under the category of 
fucking brilliant. You know, who's not going to go to that, especially even as a tourist? But I'm saying even as a New Yorker, I want to like, I want to be a regular at that bar. I want to bring a date to that bar that doesn't know about it. I'd be like, why are we taking the subway? I thought you don't take subways. Ah, ah, hold on a second. And then knowing the bartender there, and you know how I love that. That would be, now that is pure just cow in the city. What's up, everybody? Yeah, yeah. If Just Guy in the City and Just Guy was friendly with the bartender at the 15th Street subway station bar, that's like the ultimate Norm Peterson. That is the episode we always talk about where Norm goes into that bowling alley. <laughs> they all know him there. <laughs> and then he's like, wait, they know him here? He's got a life, you know, Sammy. <laughs> there it is. That'll be it. That's the ultimate. I got to be a regular at that bar <laughs> in the subway station. That is my goal. As a man, as a as a Jew, as a New Yorker, <laughs> that will be brilliant. I, yeah, because remember, remember that time I went to that bar, but I was so wasted, I can't remember it. It feels like a dream that's in Grand Central Station, and it's like hidden. And I, uh, for the life of me, I could never remember where it is again. Uh, my friend Alina will have to take me there again because see, I was so hammered that night. This is like two, three years ago. So hammered, you know, you have one of those nights where this must have been all a dream. I was that wasted that I don't know how I got there. I don't know where it's located. It was in some private room at Grand Central Station. And does it still exist? Where did it come from? Why was it open so late? And, you know, I have pictures from the day that the police took pictures of us being the only ones in Grand Central Station. And, you know, the other day, I forgot to tell you, I was walking home from something, and I don't remember what it was. I wonder if it was from coming from uh, the Hoboken or gambling or something. I was walking home on Park Avenue, and I went through Grand Central Station, and it was, I wonder if it was that Wednesday. Yes, maybe it was the Wednesday I was with Vincent, and I was walking home, and it was, you know, it was like 8 o'clock. And there was nobody in Grand Central Station. Yes, I meant to mention that because remember I told you the city was dead and there was nobody in Grand Central Station. And you know, my favorite thing to say is, boy, it's like Grand Central Station in here. <laughs> you know, When you're in Grand Central Station, there is nothing funnier. Again, if I get married, if my wife doesn't find that funny, uh, then it's over. If you, If my nieces did not find, if my niece Dory did not find it funny, Every time I go to Grand Central Station, <laughs> that I say, Jesus, it's like Grand Central Station here, and they're not going to get a laugh of that every time or something, some form of reaction, I can't be friends with that person anymore. Come on, folks. This is why you got to love the podcast, right? You all know, <laughs> if you were with me in New York and I didn't do that, you'd be disappointed. It's like after I do Marina show on Saturdays and I don't say when I think we're off the air, that'll hold the little bastards for a while. Come on. You want it, you expect it. Now, let's move on. Adele has just canceled all of her Las Vegas shows, which she was supposed to open, I believe, this weekend. So she's canceled all the shows for very good reason. Everyone has COVID. She's like, I'm sorry. I've been working really hard, but I just can't get it together. All my crew has COVID. The, the staff has COVID. We all have COVID, and we can't get any substitutes because everybody in Las Vegas has COVID. So, but she on the video she put up for her fans she's crying i'm like you know don't be a phony 
don't cry. People understand. I mean, it sucks. You know, but don't don't fake crying that you can't do it. I thought that was rather pathetic. But her fans aren't going to care. They're like, see, she was very upset about it, I guess. But I think it's pathetic to cry. Tell the people in an honest fashion, don't put on these phony, you're that upset. There's nothing you could do about it. Nobody blames you. We know how it is. I'm not an Adele fan, but I, I, I get it. I don't think she's doing anything shady. This is a weird fucking time. Everything's either canceled or moving on. Nobody knows what's happening. I heard... What did they say that it was passing somewhere? The Today Show today, first time they said as we're getting through, things are going back to normal. That's what it was. That Peloton and Netflix are going down while things are going back to normal because people are going back to gyms. Now, I don't... Oh, right. And I guess maybe they're going to the movies. Where's everything going back to normal? Not here. So I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Maybe where you live, things are going back to normal, but not here. Uh, By the way... You'll be happy to know that I did try and get another job. I had an interview yesterday again, and it's so funny when I know I have the interview. I get to I'm like I'm like great, great. It's all set. I'll be able to, uh, you know, pay my rent, all that kind of stuff. And then you know I don't get it. I'm like I I already have it in my head. I'm like all right, let me go to Amazon. Let's start purchasing stuff. It's I, I'm such a weirdo. I'm like a child. I'm not a man. We're not men, Jerry. These are men with jobs, Jerry. They're men. They're just TV executives. They're men with jobs, Jerry. (laughs) They wear suits and ties. They're married. They have secretaries. Yeah, so, yeah, I tried, but I had this great conversation with this guy. He's like, I don't know whether maybe he's in his 40s. He used to work at J.G. Mellon's down by the Comedy Cellar, so he knows that whole area. And he had to take this job, like recruiting with his brother because of COVID, because he was normally a bartender or a manager. But we talked for an hour. We had a really good conversation. He's trying to help me out, but it's weird. The hours I would be working, everything I've been offered has been like, you know, 10 p.m. till 5.30 in the morning. And I'm like, well, I don't hate that. I mean, if I'm working from home, who cares? But then he said, no, this would be at the office. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not work. I've worked in an office overnight before, and that is the most horrible, depressing, awful thing that there is. Years ago, when I first started my regular job, I also had another job. I, my job was noon to eight. I've explained this multiple times on the podcast. And my second job was midnight to eight, three days a week at another place. I was trying to make extra money. And I ended up getting extremely ill because you can't work yourself like that. I, was, I thought I had this plan. Meanwhile, going out at four in the morning for lunch is just a goddamn nightmare. So, oh God, I, I can't, I don't even like to think about it. It was a horrible time. I remember I was dating this girl and I kept picking her up at work at like five in the morning and then I would pass out because I hadn't gotten any sleep four days before or for the last four days. And she, I'd wake up and she'd be slapping my face. Hello, I thought we were going to have sex. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, we, no, yeah, I thought we did it already. <laughs> I was exhausted. Meanwhile, that girl, that, that's the classic story uh, that how me, me and Rachel met. I think she's told it before, but we should probably have her on the podcast and explain it again. It is an absolute classic. And then there's a story, and, I've multi- and I talk about this on stage all the time. McDonald's will be offering his, its new vegan burger developed with Beyond Meat. And I just say, and I've point, 
I've poised this question out to the audience that's live when I'm doing comedy. I'm like, why are they trying this? Has is anybody here a vegan? And they'll raise their hand, or you know, a vegan or a vegetarian. And I'm like, would you ever go to a McDonald's in general? And they're always like, no, a vegan is never going to set foot. So then you say to yourself, well, but if you were with me and you were a vegetarian vegan, would you go and sit in a McDonald's with me and order something? And the answer is always no. So who are they making it for? And that's why I would say, why are we kidding ourselves with McDonald's? And I've said this all the time when the McRib was coming out. It's just like you're putting the calories on the board. You're, you're trying to make vegan burgers or vegetarian options. It's McDonald's. We understand. There is a social contract when you go into McDonald's that you are eating unhealthy. Everybody gets it. There is no need to come up with uh, healthy options at McDonald's. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And as you know, a man in my position can't be made to look ridiculous. I like that they have a salad at McDonald's. Sometimes I'll get that. But, you know, this beefless you know quite frankly i'm pretty sure mcdonald's burgers beefless anyway we don't even know if that's beef we don't know what's on that i say this all the time i'm like you know if, if you open a mcdonald's hamburger you're an asshole don't open and see what's in there you don't want to know as far as you're concerned it's fine and it's not going to kill you and that's the best you can do nobody should be eating that if you're looking for healthy options nobody's going to eat a vegan burger at McDonald's, it's ridiculous. And finally, Pamela Anderson's getting divorced from her fifth husband. Uh, nobody's surprised. It's just uh, interesting because, uh, I mean, you know, as we know from growing up in the 90s, she was the hottest girl ever, the most um, famous person. And it's uh, it's sad that you know you get older and i guess or whatever it is i mean obviously she likes weirdos you know you don't marry a, the drummer from motley crew if you're planning on looking for a long-lasting marriage or kid rock but it's just it's just sad you know it's like nobody nobody wants but everybody wants pamela anderson to be happy you know it's like i don't think she did anything bad to anybody she's so hot she gave us so much joy in baywatch you just want her to settle down and be happy I feel bad for her. I think you feel bad for her, you know, funny. And then there's a story about Martha Stewart dating Anthony Hopkins, and uh, that's hilarious. She's like, nah, I was afraid to bring him over to my house because, uh, well, you know. <laughs> and that's always going to be funny because that's the way I would feel. I'm like, well, I ain't bringing him over my What are you, nuts? Hello, Clarice. You want another Coke? Um, okay. UTA is an agency. Uh, for actors and writers, it's a, probably the biggest talent agency there is, uh, UTA. And they just uh, signed that Spanish girl from Curb Your Enthusiasm, the one that played the uh, the woman whose father was trying to get her a job. And everybody's excited about it. Scott Ackerman told me about it because he's with UTA. And it's so funny because we all agree, if you've seen this season's Curb Your Enthusiasm, that she's totally brilliant. And totally deserves an agent. Will she ever work again? I don't know. But that girl was a brilliant comedic actor. So good for her. 
<laughs> it's uh, I I, kept, I was thinking when I was setting up my resume that I should send the headshot that she sent to uh, when she was casting, which is just her uh, making tacos at her restaurant. <laughs> That's her headshot. <laughs> it's so funny, but boy, was she good! And I, I actually want to see her do other stuff uh, just to see if she can act. Uh, because then, if she can act normal. And not be that. Then she might be the greatest actress of our time, just like that gay kid from our favorite scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm. My God. Oh. Hi. Hi. My name is Greg. Is it? Yes. My name is Larry. Hi. A great pleasure to meet you. Oh, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. So, what are you drawing? Oh, I'm just doodling. That's a Hitler mustache. That's Hitler hair. What's a Hitler? Oh. <laughs> Hitler was a bad man. A bad man? Very bad man. Oh, my God. Yes, he started a war. He, oh. he, didn't, he didn't really care for Jews. He thought they were a bit much. Uh, I would kick his butt. Would you? Yes. Good for you. What's that? What are you watching in there? Project Runway. Good show. And what do you like about it? The fashion. It's like the best show ever. You like fashion? Yes, I do. Hmm. Ooh, what's that right there? Oh, that's called a uh, swastika. I like how the lines just go straight and then up and then down and then straight and then up and then down. It's beautiful. My birthday's coming up in a week, so can you get me one? A swastika? Yeah. I, I don't know, Greg. I'll have to think about that. They should start selling them in every gift shop in New York City. Yeah, I don't think Jews would like that. Get a life, Jews. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is your mom ready? One of the greatest bits, like a you know a capsule in uh, in Curb history. This kid and you know I used to play it just to make me uh, happy because it just always makes me laugh. And remember, I told you this kid, this kid, what an actor. <laughs> you know, if it, especially if he turned out to be straight. But uh, Susie Esmond has confirmed that he is so gay. But if this kid was straight, he would be the, and at 10, he'd be the greatest actor of our time. Well, now that football season's almost over, a pretty good sign that I'm never going to leave the house again. So this will be our final episode of Just Get Out of the City. I'm joking, of course, but, uh, you know, trying to get out, tell you the stories, tell you the classics. This week, bonus content for our $10 Patreon subscribers. And we will see you next week. Don't forget to watch the Comedy Zone Playoff Show and Billy Joel A to Z. We'll see you on that. There's plenty of Just Guy to go around. And we'll see you next week on Just Guy on the City. Good night, everybody. Good night.